Jazzy, what does the calculator say about the shipping costs? It's over $9! What? $9? There's no way that could be right. At LegitMTG.com, we don't charge shipping for any order over $2 or more. We're not like those other guys who make you spend an arm and a leg to get free shipping. Come on down to LegitMTG.com for all your magic needs and be sure to get that free shipping special. That's LegitMTG.com. Visit today. Man, I wish there were others who like retro video games like me. Did I hear someone say retro video games? I heard it too, Matt. Well, if you're a fan of retro video games as well as gaming in general, you need to listen to the VCR Gaming Podcast. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Oh god, my house! So hey everybody and welcome to the 100th episode of Magic Wazubi. Yes, we have freaking made it. It's it's amazing that I have made it this far. It, it I mean, I don't even know what else to say except it's been exactly 100 episodes. Um and if I look at cuz I think I was originally on SoundCloud when I first started uploading the podcast, let me see if I still even have my SoundCloud account because that will actually tell me the very first date of when Magic Wazubi went live. Um, do I not have the first episode here? Here we go. Does it tell me when it was? It just says two years ago. Does it tell me what date? Um, no, it doesn't. It just says, just says two years ago, but hold on. Cause I only lasted for about four weeks on SoundCloud. Yeah, I know. I haven't even gotten into this. This isn't, it's kind of the intro a little bit here, but you know, I'm just, I'm so excited to finally, finally have come this far and we have come a very long way to episode 100 and I'm very excited about it. So according to shout engine, my current podcast, uh, provider or my podcast, um, library uploader thing. I, I can't remember the name of it right now, but who cares? Uh, February 14th is the first day I uploaded on shout engine, but I'd probably have to say, well, we're probably already past two years. Um, because SoundCloud, I probably uploaded either at the end of January or middle of January. So I, I guess if I'm just going by Shout Engine's stats or statistics, uh, we're, we're, we're coming up on two years, February 14th, and I cannot be happier that this is actually happening. Hey, not Cody Smith. How are you doing? Um, 
Welcome to the stream. Uh, so yeah, and if you're listening in audio land right now, I am doing another live podcast. Uh, the next two weeks, I'm not going to be doing live podcasts. I've actually got guests lined up. And next week's guest is going to be pretty awesome. He's a little well-known magic personality. Some people know him. I mean, n- not that many, but you know, I-, I can't even say who it is. It's 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 a surprise. I'm excited about it. But um, yeah. So if I, I guess I'll let me do my regular spiel here. Um, if you were brand new to the show, uh, this podcast is all about Magic: The Gathering, and with a little bit of D and D in there, inserted every once in a while, and. Uh, usually I'll talk about D&D on slow weeks where there's not a whole lot of magic news, but boy, do we have a lot of magic news to talk about th- today. And not Cody Smith said, doing great. Congrats on 100 episodes. Thank you very much. I am so happy about it. And um, so you can find Magic Wazubi on usually on the following iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Uh, podcastradionetwork.net every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, which is actually right now where I'm streaming. Um, but that's usually playing last week's episode and it plays it up on the radio up in New York. And um, and then you can also find Magic Wazubi on YouTube. Just search for Magic Wazubi. Um, I'm starting to try to stream more on Twitch. Not only am I doing the Magic Wazubi podcast live episodes on Twitch, I'm also doing VCR Gaming, my retro gaming podcast on Twitch as well, every Sunday night at 5 p.m. Eastern. And if we can't do it on Sunday nights, I'll, I'll try to tweet it out on the VCR Gaming Twitter. Um, so, and then, uh, where the fuck else? Um... Yeah, there. Oh, oh yeah, Twitter uh, at MagicWazubi, Facebook.com slash MagicWazubi. If you want to email me, um, actually, if you're watching the video, I've actually, I, I sort of, I've sort of done did up the the little layout here, um, where if you, I mean, you can't see me pointing to it or with my mouse pointing to it, but um, you know, I've added some of the little social socialite things. Uh, with Twitter, Facebook, Gmail, and Patreon. Um, yeah, if you want to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash magicwazubi. Uh, I've, I've also started up a Magic Wazubi Instagram account. I just started it a few days ago. And even though even though I'm trying to use Instagram at least once a day uh, to try to post up pictures, um, you know, I'm already up 20 followers already, which is pretty cool, pretty amazing, um, because I really don't know what I'm doing while I'm on that to begin with. So kudos to me i guess for that um so that is about it for the intro here Uh, i guess let's get just straight on to the actual news topics we have and the first one that i usually like to talk about is what magic have i been playing and that has been not a whole lot i did go to fnm this past week and it started off really late which was not fun and then it went on for five rounds and I technically could have gone four one, but when we were finally playing the fifth round, it was pretty much nearing almost one a.m. I just gate could we and the guy and I who I played really nice guy. Um, I just pretty much quit game three because I, I was just so tired and I really really did not feel like playing another game because game one was slow, game two was slower, game three I was just like you know it's one a.m. I don't even care if I'm missing, you know, 20 bucks out of this. It's whatever. Um, and I just went home. I was playing Grixis Energy and Standard. And the deck is all right. 
Um, the one thing I do like the deck where it's I, I'm sort of playing a mid-range version and my sideboard has a lot more controlling aspects of it. And so usually depending on the matchup, um, you know, if I do need to evolve it into a more control based game, it's very easy for me games two and three. And and um, let's see, what did I go up against? I went up against round one was oh white black vampires. That was just pretty easy. Just stop them from building an army and just kill them. Uh, round two was against Sultai Energy, and I just drew really bad, and I just could not keep up with um, the other guy's deck. Where it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just no matter what I did, I tried to play to my outs as best as I could, but he just kept on building up guys and I just couldn't control the situation in any of the games. So I lost there. Then game three was against Merfolk and that was just um, same thing. S same as vampires, just control the board and boom, uh, won. And then game four, um, my opponent and I decided to play a little bit of modern instead of standard and no one really cared at the event. I mean, the the level zero judge that was there didn't really care. I mean, and um, so he was playing a blue black sort of control deck with Ashiok and, you know, a lot of hand disruption and counter spells and stuff like that. And, um, and I was playing, I wasn't playing my Grixis Delver deck. I was playing my treasure hunt deck, my zombie treasure hunt deck. And for shits and giggles, and I kid you not, um, if you're not aware of the treasure hunt deck, let me see if I can pull it up on the, oh no, oh no, those are my show notes here. Here, let me, let me pull it up here. And if you, so basically treasure hunt has um, re really two cards in it and the rest are lands and reliquary towers. So treasure hunt is a one in a blue sorcery where it says reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land card, then put all cards revealed this way into your hand. So essentially um, you're going to want to have like a turn one reliquary tower or, or something or turn two reliquary tower and a blue source or, you know, play treasure and hunt on turn three, but don't play a land yet. And hopefully you draw into a reliquary tower so you can keep all those cards in your hand. So what are you going to do with all those cards in your hand? Um, you're not going to want to play a full play set of this card. Typically, I play two. Sometimes you might want to sideboard in a third one in games two and three, depending on what you're, who you're playing against. So Zombie Infestation is a one in a black enchantment where you discard two cards and put a 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. So if everything goes your way... At the end of your opponent's turn three, turn four, you could have upwards of 10 to 15 zombies on your battlefield at the end of their turn. And then you just swing and win. And um, it, it's a really funny deck. So like I said, I was up against my friend's um, blue-black control there. And um, he he was trying to you know stop my treasure hunt and zombie infestation. But it just... Game one, wipe the board with him. One by turn three, or no, no, my my turn four. I mean, and then um, games two, he was just stopping everything I was doing. He actually got Ashiok up to <laughs> just a Ashiok actually stole all my zombie infestations and treasure hunts. Luckily, and then games three, 
at game three, he only had like one counter spell in hand. And but but oh, that was another thing. We both weren't playing with sideboards because he had just built his deck and I just built mine. And so it they were they were all, you know, main board games. So it was pretty funny that, um you know, I won. I thought for sure. And I told him, like, listen, this is going to be a crap deck. You know, you're most likely going to win. But I ended up winning. And um, holy shit, that fucking scared me. Why does Streamlabs do that? Sorry. So you're probably not hearing this on the audio version, but usually when I think someone hosts me or something, it um plays the Batman theme song from Dark Knight, and I'm and it just scared the shit out of me in my headphones right now. <laughs> just like oh fuck. Um, so thank you for ever decide to host me just now. It gave me quite a little jump, <laughs> and um. Yeah, that that was that was a that was a little intense right there. Was not expecting the Dark Knight theme song. I don't even know why I have it set to that. Um, so that made me completely lose my train of thought. So oh, so a- after I beat him with the two two games with the treasure hunt, I decided to play my real modern deck, my Grixis Delver. And since he has so much hand disruption and counter spells, like pr- pretty much the mo- majority of his deck is like counter spells, hand disruption. And oh, Albie is live is the one who hosted me. Thank you. That is okay. You, you're good. You're good. It just really gave me, <laughs> really gave me a scare there. Um, so since I was so since he had nothing but so his deck is like counter spells, hand disruption, Ashiox, and God, some extra turn spells. It was like my Grixis Delver was just absolute crap for the most part. And just he just wiped my hand and just I could not get I could not get a board state established and just could not beat him, couldn't get ahead. And, you know, and then plus he had, you know, ways of just wiping out my graveyard, too. And that's pretty important in Grixis Delver. So but it was fun. I, I was kind of not really mad or anything, but just a little I wouldn't even say annoyed, just more like, well, shit, my real modern deck couldn't stand a chance against his jank, but my shitty, janky treasure hunt deck completely wiped the floor with him. But, you know, it was fun as it lasted. Um, As far as other magic, excuse me, as far as other magic I've played this week, that's pretty much it. Um, Yeah, I, I, I've been meaning to get on magic online and play, but I've been, I've been working so hard. Uh, not only like stuff with the podcast and with VCR gaming, but I've also been, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm like, God, I'm like almost done sorting all my cards again. And it's, I just, I just can't wait for this to be done. I feel like as soon as I'm done sorting my cards, now I can actually focus on building a lot of these decks that I've, that have been on the back burner. I have like four or five EDH decks that have been on a back burner. Um, I've got another modern deck that I'm almost done building my collected Bant spirits deck that is almost done. I'm just, I just ordered some cards today and waiting for them to come in so I can, so I can get those done. And then I'm working on two more legacy decks. I'm still work slowly working on Grixis Delver and also working on red repercussion which i just found this deck the other day and it looks fun as hell so basically let's go back to the cockatrice screen here if you were watching the video so basically red repercussion 
re I don't know if I knew how to spell repercussion is an enchantment from Urza's Destiny. It's a one double red enchantment. Whenever a creature is dealt damage, repercussion deals that much damage to that creature's controller. So since most people play uh, creatures anyway in Legacy, uh, basically repercussion. This sort of deck is a a kind of different burn deck. Um, it's gonna a lot of the burn spells are either geared towards creatures more so than the actual players i mean lightning bolt's still in it i mean you still want to burn your opponent down but it this deck does play blasphemous act where blasphemous act deals 13 damage to every creature on board and so if you imagine they have two creatures and you play blasphemous act it's going to deal 26 damage to the creature's controller and that just seems like a lot of fun so um oh and it does play some mana ramp spells like seething song and um crap there's another one i can't remember the name of it but um it, it just looks so fun and it looks super cheap and i want to play it and that's mainly why i am building it because it looks a lot of fun and you know it it's i like burn but i don't want to play the normal variation of burn that a lot of people are already doing so when i saw this deck i'm like oh this is a different variation i mean it's a worse variation of burn but you know i want to play it anyway because it looks fun so that's that so those are pretty much the decks i'm working on as far as the edh decks i'm working on i'm still working on my i'm still debating whether or not i want to go mono black zombies or go blue black zombies um, i'm really leaning towards more mono black um and then i'm still working on my gatewatch deck it's a gatewatch theme deck it's five colors. It's going to be terrible. I don't even know who my commander is going to be. It might be General Tazri because, you know, she helped lead, lead the Gatewatch or not not all the Gatewatch, but in the battle against the Eldrazi and uh, Oath, of Gate, Oath of the Gatewatch. And um, so I, I'm thinking maybe making her my general just for flavor sense reasons and then i'm i'm still i need to order the rest of the cards for my banding and phasing deck and i cannot wait to play that especially against some newer people and just confuse the hell out of them with banding and when they go to block i'm like ah, 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 ah. no 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 i choose the blocks and then and then i i can't wait to phase out their board too and they're just completely confused as to what's going on you know I should just build really old keyword, crappy keyword ability EDH decks like Rampage. Um, shit, what else is there? Well, Echo's pretty shit because it's all on you. But there's Rampage, um, you know, flanking, horsemanship. I can do horsemanship deck, but eh, you know, people have already done that. I mean, I know people have already done banding and phasing, but it's it's funny. I, I like it. And, and I'm really trying hard to only use nothing but old cards, but um, I, I really want to put Audric in it because Audric will just make it even better. But do I sacrifice power for just pure old schoolness? I don't know. I'm probably going to sacrifice the power, though. That's probably what's going to happen. So those are pretty much the decks I've been building. Um, have there been any other EDH decks? Yeah. Oh, Locust God. I'm finally going to build Locust God. I'm pretty much going to take the shell I had for Nin the Pain Artist, and, but just put more card draw. I do want to put an infinite combo in there. Uh, you know, the Lab Maniac Mind Over Matter type infinite combo. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a thing in it. And Because I do miss playing that 
is it Nin the Pain Artist deck, but Locust God just seems to be a better commander for it rather than Nin the Pain Artist. I know Nin the Pain Artist with Stuffy Doll would help me draw more cards and then I can, you know, transfer that damage over to someone else, but I like Locust God. I, I like getting those little bugs and then fly into those people's faces. That's always fun. So, um, yeah, that... I. Yeah, I think that really is about it for all the decks that I've been building lately. But let's move on to the next topic here. Let me just take a swig of my drink real quick. This is all live. We're not going to edit anything out here. So uh, magic story discussion is the next topic we have to talk about. And I can't remember if I said it or not in previous episodes, but I have been really, really, really enjoying the magic story uh for Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan. And yeah, surprising because the last time I talked about the story was I think Amon Ket when I was reviewing each chapter. And I do kind of want to go back and do that, but I wanna also I want to start from even before you know Amon Ket and all that. I, I think I really want to go back and just review it chapter by chapter and talk about what happened and what I felt about you know the actual story and how I felt about the writing because that has always been a really big contention of mine is the quality of writing. And yes, I do understand that the people who are writing the story have such a short amount of time to actually write these stories. So you're not going to get the normal kind of quality that an author of regular books would write. So I get that. I understand that. But one of my biggest complaints of the magic story, especially before Ixalan, was that each chapter felt so jarring, so different, because yes, they were different writers in each chapter, but like my biggest complaint was you'd get a first person view in one chapter, and then the next chapter it's all third person. And that that feels so off. I mean, imagine reading a book, like an actual six to seven hundred page book, and each chapter was written by a different person and they had completely different writing styles. That's what it felt like where, you know, you're, you're reading one book, Lord, imagine Lord of the Rings was one chapter written by Tolkien. The next chapter was written by Stephen King. The next chapter was uh, by Dean Koontz. You know, that, that, that would just completely throw you off. You know, that the quality would be everywhere. It would be, be, you know, hell, imagine one chapter Lord of the Rings written by, um, Shit, what's her name? The one who did Twilight. Um, <laughs> oh, God, it would be terrible. Um, so, yeah, that's always been one of, one of my big complaints. So, I know before they started releasing the Ixalan stories, they, they said they were no longer going to credit who was writing each individual chapter and that it's just all by the Magic Story team. And at first, I was kind of like, oh, come on, you guys are just wanting to keep away from the hate, pretty much. And I, I was really kind of downplaying it. And I didn't read um, any of Ixalan's story until Rivals came out. Because one, I kind of wanted to wait for some more chapters to read. And two, after Amonkhet, even though I did enjoy the story of Amonkhet and Hour of Devastation, I was kind of really turned off at that point because it just felt like, oh God, it's like I said, there's, there's chapters where it's so good. The next chapter you're like, Oh dear God, this is bad. Um, I was, but with Ixalan, whatever change they did in the background, as far as the writing quality goes, it has gone dramatically up. And while not every chapter was the same, I guess, enjoyment level, it was definitely more bearable overall. 
and I, like I said, I don't know what they've done internally, but whatever they've done internally, if they're only having like two or three people writing it compared to, I don't know how many people have, have been writing the stories the past couple of years, you know, that is way better. Um, and they have, even though I will say I am a Jace fanboy and I've always been a fan of Jace, regardless of how boring he's been in the past, what they've done with Jace's character and has has made him even better. And I, I didn't even think that was quite possible. Like I said, I've always been a Jace fanboy. I've got, you know, Jace pop figures, Jace play mats, Jace sleeves. You know, he, he's always been one of my favorite characters and he's even more of my favorite -er character, favoritist character, you know, good English there. And, um, it's, I mean, I, I don't, this whole story with Jace and Vraska has been nothing but, oh my gosh, you two just need to kiss right now. Just kiss. Especially when Jace had to take Vraska's memories away from her so Nicol Bolas wouldn't suspect anything. I was just like, no, kiss each other. No, no, no. I was actually really, really sad. And I'm also, and I, even though I want to go to Dominaria as a set for playing the game, I kind of just wanted to skip ahead to Ravnica already right now so Jace and Vraska can just be together. It's like, I, I don't want anything else to happen right now. I just want Jace and Vraska to be together. I know people before were like, what about Chandra and Nyssa or Chandra and Gideon? I'm like, I don't even care about them. Jace and Vraska for life, all right? I, I, I'm completely fanboying out over it right now, and I, I love it. So, um, yeah, it's... I don't know, like I said, whatever they've done with the story has been very interesting. While I feel like any, and I don't know if this is maybe my fanboyism calling, you know, coming out here, but any part that is hasn't been dealing with Jason Vraska, even though it's been it's been good, it's just I haven't really cared about it as much. And maybe it's because we've been with Jason Vraska for so long now. You know, there's a little bit more emotional weight behind it with Huatli and, um, crap, what's the merfolk name? The old lady, I forget her name. And then, you know, you got the Legion of Dusk and, and then Azor, like, like when, um, Huatli and, uh, was it the merfolk lady or was it Huatli and the, the Minotaur pirate Angrath met Alenda of the vampires and she's in it for like two sentences like are we supposed to care about this person yeah i understand her background and all that but how are we supposed to care about them at all or anything but mm, yeah but other than that like i said i think a lot of what i'm feeling is because we already have so much invested story with jason Vraska. it just I, I care about it more compared to, you know, everyone else. I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. They're, they're cool characters. I'm, I'm not going to, not going to say they aren't, but I just don't care about them as much. I just, I want to see the story progress and all that. And, and, you know, when they did meet Azor or Azor, that was pretty cool. And, um, of course, everybody loves that scene with Nicobolas where he's slapping the elf with his own hand. It's sort of like a flashback. It was funny. I mean, we, we need card art of that now. And if we don't ever get it, shame on you wizards for never producing a art of Nicobolas slapping an elf with his own hand, you know, after he ripped it off. And that's not going to be a card ever. I'd be sad. You know, that could be the new Terminate. 
or something if they reprint terminate in the next ravnica set that could that could that could be the art you know oh nickel bolus is going to terminate you with his own limbs there you go um yeah overall i'm super happy with the story cannot wait for more and i just i mean what else what else is there to say i i i kind of can't wait for us to get to dominaria and um now that we sort of know where the story is going in terms of you know what nicobolus is planning on doing i i just can't wait till we get to ravnica again as well too i i, I care it's I'm caring more about the story than the actual cards right now, but I am hoping Dominaria will be something good, even though I don't have the highest of hopes for it. But you never know. I could be completely wrong in that aspect there. So we'll just have to wait and see. So next on our list is Magic 25 Spoilers. So if you aren't aware of what Magic 25 is, or I guess it's Masters 25, right? It's not Magic 25. So Masters 25 is the master set celebrating 25 years of magic yes magic the gathering has been around for 25 years now it and it's crazy because i've been playing it since 1998 so it's 20 years for me so i'm five years shy of you know what was i doing and god i was probably playing pokemon or power rangers or some shit i don't remember exactly but um yeah it's been 25 years since the game has come out and so they're having they're releasing a set to celebrate it and they gave us a little bit of spoilers for it here let me show the screen here so everybody watching the video can see uh where is it where is it here we go okay so if you're seeing the video right now um it's just wizard's page of showing the little box and what it's going to be i mean i'm assuming yeah it looks like the other master set where it's going to have probably what 24 packs or something and you know they're going to be 10 bucks each and you know, there will be a premium foil in each one but the two cards they've spoiled so far is jace the mind sculptor which is the legendary planeswalker and azusa lost but seeking uh so jace the mind sculptor this will be the fourth time he's been reprinted because he was in world wake uh eternal masters he was in one of the um wasn't he in the Magic 20th Collector's Edition? Shit, what was it called? Like, From the Vault Collector's Edition or something? And um, it's also... Yeah, so it will be the fourth time it's being reprinted here. And, you know, I'm excited about it. You know, I almost... I don't have a copy of Jason Mind Sculptor yet. And if I really had to choose a copy, I'd almost have to choose this one. Because I really like the the little set symbol they have. It's... um it's the planeswalker logo with a 25 in front of it i don't i almost kind of want to get this i do plan on hopefully getting a box of this so i can open it up on stream and you know i hopefully i open up one of these and maybe the price goes down where i can buy one you know um so jace the mind sculptor he's only pretty much legal in legacy and vintage and edh and um like and people are speculating he may be unbanned in in modern but i really highly doubt it because anything that will let you brainstorm in modern is going to be insane blue will just be completely bonkers in modern at that point if it if it basically allows brainstorm and i mean we don't even have preordain or ponder or they're really going to allow brainstorm on a planeswalker i don't know um 
So Azusa Lost But Seeking is the human monk legendary creature. Uh, Azusa, wasn't that from Kamigawa? Hold on, let me pull it up. Azusa. Yeah, Champions of Kamigawa. Yeah. So it's a, you may play two additional lands on each of your turn. So that was a really popular card during Amulet Titan days or Amulet Bloom Titan or Amulet Bloom. Yeah, I, I think that was the name of the deck. And I don't see it played too much nowadays. I mean, I'm assuming like Scapeshift probably plays it, maybe, or Valakut, but I don't see it too much in modern. At least in my meta, I don't really see it a whole lot. But those are the two cards that we know of. I think there is one more that has been spoiled. I don't have the picture of it. I think it's Phyrexian Obliterator, which was um, New Phyrexia. I think this has been spoiled too. It's a quadruple black horror trample creature 5-5. Five, five. Whenever a source deals damage to Phyrexian Obliterator, that controller sacrifices that many permanents. So, you know, not, not a bad little card. I mean, I'm not too excited about that, but I'm, I'm more excited about Jace. And if I had to guess as to what other um, cards may be printed in it, I mean, I'm hopeful that there's going to be some fetch lands but I'm not going to hold my breath since they had the Zendikar fetch lands reprinted last year. Maybe they'll do the cons and onslaught fetch lands. Um, and I don't know, we'll just have to wait and see. So Albie is live is saying you've been playing magic longer than I've been alive. The joys of being a younger member of the community. Yes, I'm old. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm really not that old. I'm 31, but I, I guess, yeah, for a lot of people, that's old. And then he also talking about when I was talking about Azusa, Azusa, or however, Green White Value Town plays Azusa. You play that and ramen up Excavator to Ghost Quarter your opponent three times a turn. Oh, um, that doesn't sound fun, but I can understand why people would do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'd mind Ghost Quartering my opponent three times a turn. That doesn't sound too bad. Just destroy their land base. Um, yeah, so that's just pretty mean. Um, so, and so that's pretty much Masters 25. Um, like I said, I'm hoping we see some, uh, you know, fetch lands. Maybe not. Uh, I mean, I guess we'll just have to wait and see there. So I guess the next news topic to really even discuss is FNM promos are back in the house. And, um, you know, a couple months ago, I think it was what, right before Ixalan, they were getting rid of FNM promos completely. So if you don't know what FNM promos are, uh, if you don't go and actually play any kind of sanctioned magic or anything, FNM pro promos used to be cards that they would give away at Friday nights for either. I, I, I've played at some shops where they had so many FNM promos they were given, you'd get one just for playing uh, that night. And um, most of the time you'll get a promo if you get like top four or top eight, depending on how many players there are. And, you know, it's usually a card that's always going to be standard legal. In the past, they have done modern legal cards, even though technically if it's standard, it is modern legal. But, um, you know, what was it? Two years ago, they were doing Path to Exile, Serum Visions and stuff like that. And, you know, the community went nuts over that. And the past, at least before they stopped doing the FNM promos, they were getting some really good cards like Fatal Push and Aether Hub. And then they just stopped it all together and 
just came out with FNM tokens, which no one cared about. I mean, the tokens did look nice. I will say that they looked really nice, but no one, at least no one that I played with, um, even really cared about tokens at all. And Man Cave MTG joins us. What's up, bro? Just popping on to hear some good stuff before bed. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us here. And um, it's, you know, now that the FNM promos are actually coming back in full card form, good for them. They say that they are going to come back starting with Dominaria on April 27th and that they were going to tell us what kind of promos we're going to see. I mean, I'd love to personally see... Um, shit what's a good card ravenous chupacabra would be a cool promo right now um shit what else i i would say harness lightning but that's gonna rotate out soon um what else like upbraid would be a good promo that hasn't been a promo right um but that's rotating out soon too so i'm trying to think of some ixalan cards um no the silver gill adept has already been a promo Oh, shit. I don't know. A Ravenous Chupacabra is the only one I can think of off the top of my head because that's the only one that's even been, you know, unclaimed territory as a promo, maybe. Uh, Chamber Sanctuary. Um, I don't know if they would do a rare as a promo. It's not, at least from what I can remember, most of the time they either do a common or uncommon promo. It's not very common <laughs> that they do a rare card for a promo, unless I'm mistaken. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I know Goblin Chieftain was a promo, but that was a couple years ago. And um, that, I think if I remember, that's a rare, but that's an old, old card, though. So, um, yeah, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what's going to come out. I'm excited about it. I mean, I love the promos that they had. I mean, I still, I I love my unlicensed disintegration promos that I've gotten, um, you know, um the path to exile serum visions all those and i saw my goblin chieftain one and yeah we're just gonna i'm just gonna have to wait and see to what they're gonna come out with um so this literally was just announced today that um magic the gathering is gonna be releasing a mobile moba game um and I have no idea what to feel about this. I watched the little trailer that it came out with. And, you know, if you're, you know, let, let's actually watch the trailer together. It's only like a 40 second trailer here. And it's, it's just a bizarre trailer here. So it's made by a Korean company called Netmarble. And um, it's Wizards of the Coast. So looks like you set up your team. You can pick a Planeswalker like Liliana, Johnny, or Chandra here. Um, anybody listening to the audio, they're not going to really hear this. So I'm going to try to describe it best I can. So they're showing a battlefield. And like if, if you never played a MOBA like League of Legends or Heroes of the Storm or Dota, it looks very much like this. But this is all going to be for the mobile game. And it's just showing some gameplay of them attacking the enemy town and just trying to destroy their nexus or whatever it is, their crystal. And, um, yeah, so it's called Magic the Gathering M, I guess M for mobile. And I don't even know what to think about this. I, I don't even know if I want a MOBA for this, you know, this is, it's just bizarre. It's weird. Um, will it be a good game? Apparently the reputation of this company, uh, Netmarble has not been the greatest. They've made some pretty crappy mobile games, apparently. 
and it just kind of makes me question well then why is wizards even contracting with them it's because they're cheap really really cheap compared to an actual you know game company that makes real games you didn't hear that from me um so (laughs) but um yeah i mean I, i know i'm gonna definitely try this out on the phone but is it even going to be good? I mean, remember Magic Puzzle Quest? Um, even though that game was fun in a subjective relative term, uh, this game, I don't even know. I don't even know. Okay, so this is probably their strategy for Magic Next. And the Magic Next being like, you know, the video games of Magic the Gathering. I mean, we've got Magic Arena coming out soon. I mean, hopefully the closed beta is going to end soon because I really want to stream that. Um, I want to have an actual reason for playing it because playing it by myself and I can't stream it and all that. I do have some videos planned for it. I've already got one video in the vault that I'm just waiting to release and then I'm going to show, then I need to film another one really soon. But um, it's, I don't know. I mean, I'm sort of at a loss for words. It's my, my my main question is why wizards? Why why are you why are you making this? Like what 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 point is there to making this? Um, it just doesn't make any sense for me or to me. And but if it, I mean I'll definitely try it. I'm not. I'm I've played one mobile MOBA game and it just wasn't fun. But I don't even remember what it was like, Arena Valor or something, Valor Arena. I don't even know what it was called. But it just, it was oh, Arena Valor. Yeah. Um, it's pretty shit. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I apparently it's popular because it's getting like an esports championship thing or Vainglory. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was Vainglory. I don't even know. It was one of them. And I, it was just, I'm like, eh. I'm not much of a mobile phone gamer really so i don't think this is really targeted towards me at all but um <laughs> so in the chat right now albia's live said had to lower the cardstock quality to pay for a moba ooh burn that's a wicked burn right there and you're probably right there um yeah would not be surprised i mean they're like oh man we, we got to change the cardboard quality here people are going to be jumping on that mobile and we're going to be losing so much i mean making so much money here with it i mean i mean of course there's going to be microtransactions and of course they're going to make money off it. it's going to be fucking retarded jesus christ um anyways so that is magic the gathering m uh m for moba maybe or m for mobile i don't know but yeah so the the next topic I want to get into before I do some Q&A, because I do have some questions lined up here, is um, looking back and looking ahead. So I know I have told this story before, and it's something that I do enjoy telling because, um, you know, I do like talking about myself, especially when I am. Um, oh, shit. I've got some more questions here. Um, I'll have to, yep, happily have to put those in there, but, um, oh, hold on one second. I just got to get comfortable here since, um, you know, just live streaming with the poor audio people. They're like, oh my God, why is he like, you know, 
sipping drinks and moving himself and all that stuff and grunting like you know you sort of when i when i used to do not do like live episodes you know i would talk for about 10 minutes stop get a drink of water and you know clear my throat and then just keep going but um now that i'm trying to do more of these live episodes it's you know got to do what i got to do man so um so looking back so like i said at the beginning of the like I said at the beginning of this podcast was I've been doing this for over two years now. Um, before then, before I started doing the podcast, I was writing a lot of articles. If anyone remembers the Meadry.org, I don't even know if that website is still up. The Meadry.org. Uh, nope. Oh God. Or is their, their website still down? Oh, <laughs> so apparently they hit some server issues and are working to repair them. And that was a message from November 14th 2016 so i used to go on the website the major it was they were it was a sort of facebook slash twitter just for magic players and it i loved it i freaking loved it. i used to put up a lot of decks up there i used to talk with people um jeff hoagland wrote a bunch of articles on there and then when they released the the blog slash article feature to everybody. Oh, I, I was just starting writing articles like crazy. I was doing deck techs. I was talking about, you know, doing sort of like a blog type thing, talking about playing magic and all that. And I had so many ideas for articles, but what was happening was I was finding that I just wasn't having enough time to write all these ideas down. And so my buddy at work at the time, Corey Maples, who has been on the podcast, episode 49, by the way, I do remember that. And he just really gave me the idea for, well, why don't you do a podcast? Why don't you actually, instead of writing all these down and you're not having enough time, at least with talking about it, you save so much more time. And then, you know, and that, that was sort of like the catalyst for, and then right away I started coming up with a name. I started coming up with episode ideas and excuse me, dinner is trying to come up, come back up. But, um, and then he was actually the one who helped me come up with the name magic with Zuby because I wrote a list of names down and magic with Zuby was it. And he, he liked it and so um he wrote the intro songs for the show um and he just he really helped me set it up and then it was just you know gone from there and um so a lot and you you know when starting something like this a lot of people will always say you know you got to do it for the love of the game you always got to do what you love and I do agree with that to a certain extent. And, um, I do love magic. Obviously, um, I, I wouldn't keep doing this and have the same kind of enthusiasm that I do for it now, because what did I want to, I've been playing magic on and off since Urza saga. And what did I want to do when I got home today? I wanted to work on some of my decks and work on sorting out the cards. So there's no problem with that. And I do agree with, you know, you got to do it with, with what you, you got to do what you love. And try not to expect any monetary return. But on the other hand, I did want this to sort of, you know, blow up and get popular and, you know, actually get people listening to this because I have a lot to say and I don't want to just talk to the void all the time. And even though it does feel like I'm talking into the void a lot of times, you know, and it's not that it 
that bothers me too much because I know I do have listeners out there. It's just, you know, and I've said this before when I took my little break, you know, when it feels like you're talking to the void and no one's actually listening or anything, you know, that does, it does get to you. You know, I've been doing this for two years and it still feels like a lot of times, like I'm doing this for absolutely nothing, but you, you can't get that mentality of like, I am going to blow up big. I am going to make a lot of money off this. I mean, the money I make off this is so negligible. Um, I mean, it would be, if I had to put the amount of hours that I put into this, if I had, if I calculated the hourly pay I got from doing this podcast in terms of what I make, Oh God, it'd be way, 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 way below minimum wage. And, um, I'm not doing this for the money at all. I mean, does the money help? Of course. Yeah. I mean, do I want to make more of it? Of course. I mean, who doesn't, I mean, unless, you know, I was completely comfortable in my life and well, you know, I I am comfortable in my life financially or I don't even need the money from this, but it's nice. It feeds into my magic hobby that I don't have to put that much money into the actual, you know, magic cards themselves. It, this podcast helps feed it. And, you know, it's, I, I also really enjoy doing the podcast. The podcast, as I've said many times is very therapeutic to where I can just sort of blah, all this stuff out of my mouth because of what I've been thinking and feeling it's, it makes me feel better. And yes, I do a lot of solo episodes, but especially when I'm talking with guests, anytime I get a guest on the show is the only reason I have the guest on is because I personally want to talk to them. It's like, I want to know more about them. You know, yeah, I've had a lot of times I could reach out to really popular pro players and all that stuff. And I've had talks with some of them and it's like, not that I don't want to interview them. It's just at the time I, I'm, I'm not interested. If I find someone who may be a small content creator and I want to talk to them, it's because I want to talk to them. I want to, I genuinely enjoy them enjoy their content and I just want to talk to them and and then there's a period of time where I don't really want to interview anybody and I'll have like a slew of 20 to 30 episodes of solo episodes and then you'll see a slew of you know 10 to 20 episodes of nothing but guests you know I mean do I want to get more guests on yes uh the logistics of having guests on all the time is tough that's why when I do have like, you know, three to four episodes of straight guests and then I do a slew of, of uh, solo episodes is because it's easier to do solo episodes personally than having guests on because of the logistics of it. Because it does get tiring sometimes having to try to manage that and make sure, you know, you're not only giving them the time and day of having them on the show, but making sure, you know, you're you're attending to their needs of, you know, making sure you're not putting them on for too long, that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, as far as the podcast itself, I honestly did not even think I was going to make past 10 episodes. I really honestly thought I was going to do maybe five to six episodes, see how I liked it and, you know, maybe stop from there. And I, I really had no plans for making this go anywhere past that. And, but I, I mean, there's, there's really no, because a lot, a lot of people will try to be motivating and be like, yeah, you just got to keep pushing. You got to keep pushing. You just got to really dig deep and go on. No, it was just more of, I, 
I, not that I was afraid to fail or that I wasn't afraid to fail. I mean, yeah, I'm not afraid to fail. I mean, with my job, I fucking fail all the time. All right. But I learn from it. That That's the most important thing. A lot of people say, don't be afraid to fail yet. Yeah, don't, don't be afraid to try different things too. Because if, if you've been a listener to my podcast since the very beginning and listened to a lot of my episodes, I've had a lot of stinkers, but I had a lot of fun doing those episodes too. And yeah, there's a lot of things I don't do anymore as far as like the, the booster pack open challenge. Um, shit. What did I call it? The booster pack challenge where I would try to build a deck out of each card that I pull from a booster pack. And pretty much the main reason I stopped doing that is because the episodes just got so long and it was a way to sort of cheat out two episodes in one. Yeah, the build a booster deck challenge. Um, and I started doing that since Shadows Over Innistrad. And like I said, it was a lot of fun, but my God, the episodes were just long. And I spent not only like two, maybe some almost three hours per episode doing that, it just wasn't, it was just so much talking, then editing that too. Um, I, at least I've gotten my editing process down pretty packed to where if I'm doing a solo episode like this, it's just pretty much, okay, I've already got all my presets set for my mic, for my EQing and compressing and, and my leveling and all that. So that doesn't take too long. Um, but for with guests is especially when I have two separate tracks now, um, because before it was Zencaster, it all lined up. Zencaster has turned to crap, but since I do it all, you know, they, they record their end, they record my end. It's a lot more involved when I have guests now as far as editing go. And then I always listen back to the episode to make sure each track really did sync up and make sure it didn't like desync when I was doing the exporting process or some crap because you never freaking know. But um, yeah, like like I said, if you've gone back and listened to a lot of my from the very beginning, it. it it is completely changed, you know, it's, um, way different than what it is. And I've done a lot of weird stuff. Um, I mean, I've sang on the podcast many times I've done songs and I've really enjoyed doing those songs. And I have talked about a magic musical that's not completely dead. It's just in the vault right now when I get the inspiration, because that is one thing where I just can't um, completely like force myself to do it. Since this is a weekly show for me, um, y- you know, and then now that I'm also working more on VCR gaming as well, it's um, I can't just completely just do a whole musical. I've got ideas for it and I'm slowly working at it a little bit at a time and you know you never know maybe this year it'll be done but I'm not even going to guarantee that but um, there have been some things that I have liked that I've done in terms of that I'm going to keep doing and that's going to be my Magic Wazubi Christmas special and my year end special I'm going to continue doing that I've done that twice already and and even those those kind of episodes don't get a lot of traction. It's I like I personally like doing them. They've been a lot of fun to do. And yeah, so I mean, I, I don't even really think there's any kind of recipe for success because you could do everything correctly in terms of content creation, you know, whether it be YouTube or uh, podcasting or article writing or whatever it is you do. You could do everything right by the book and 
you could listen to other popular YouTubers or other popular creators and do everything they did, you know, but with your own brand and spin. But, you know, there, there is, there is luck involved. You, some people are lucky and some people just aren't. Some people will get discovered. Some people never will, no matter what you do. So, and that's not your fault. And that is one thing that's very hard. And one thing you have to realize that's completely out of your control, whether or not you become quote unquote popular. So if, if any kind of advice I give to other content creators out there is really, really, really be consistent with your product. At least then you can, you know, say, you know, it, it, at least you're doing stuff with it. Um, you know, it, and, you know, of course, audio quality and video quality are also really key as well because no one wants to watch a blurry video where they can't even make you out and it's, you know, 360p, you know, resolution. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we've been there, done that. It's, um, you know, it, yeah, I guess that'd be the two things, quality, audio and video quality and consistency. You know, if you have those things and you're not afraid to experiment with your content, you, you know, you can do moderately well, essentially. Um, one thing with Magic the Gathering content that I have learned in the grand scheme of Magic content, there's not a whole lot to do. And what I mean by that is when you really look at what you can do in magic content, even though the, the topics itself can be very varied, but there's really not a whole lot to discuss in magic. There are deck techs, which in deck techs, there's, you know, all the different formats, which luckily for magic, thank God it has a lot of formats. So there's endless decks you can talk about. And since there's so many new cards coming out, there's endless cards that you can talk about. Uh, you know, talk about the new sets, talk about the spoilers. There's tournaments that are constantly happening that you can discuss, uh, you know, current news of the game that's happening, you know, the story, the magic story of it and, you know, learning and you can teach how to play the game and interview people discussing the brand and history of magic and, you know, discussing your own personal events. So those are just some of the topics I've discussed about. And like I said, in the grand scheme of things, there's not a whole lot to do with magic in terms of content creation. Yes, there there's so many other people doing box openings, but I, but if you do them anyway, awesome. You know, put your own spin on it or you know, do whatever. You don't even have to put your own spin. If you just have fun doing it, awesome. More the power too. Uh, with podcasts too. You know, there are a lot of magic podcasts out there and I listen to them and essentially we all talk about the same thing. We talk about the new sets coming out. We'll talk about a really popular tournament or, you know, really big news and we put our own spin on things. And so I, I guess what I'm trying to say there is don't feel like you have to reinvent the wheel too much when the wheel is already sort of set for you there and just sort of put your own put your own rim in there and put some 18s and 20s. All right. You know, make it look good. Go to, go to rent a wheel and, you know, buy some of them new dubs. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say here. And, um, yeah, I guess, I, I guess what, what does looking ahead look like? 
Um, I know the I've already got episodes 101 and 102 already down, and they're not going to be live podcasts. There are going to be guests, and I'm especially excited about next week's episode. As I said, it's going to be it's I, I'm excited about it. It's been I, it's been in the works for about two months now. We just haven't had time, and when I took my little break in January, we had to sync up again. So I'm pretty excited about that, and. You know, I think I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, there's probably going to be episodes coming out that are going to be, once again, weird. There's going to be more singing because I can't help that. Um, <laughs> I love singing. Um, there's probably going to be more skits that I do. I haven't really done a skit in a while now, but it's sort of every time I've done a skit, the inspiration suddenly hit and I'll write it down and then I'll come up with all the sound effects and just got to get it done. But I haven't done a skit in a long time, and I need to do one again. I've been I've been sort of feeling that skit itch, that skitty itch. I don't know. That sounds weird, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely want to get more guests on. You know, I want to interview more content creators as well too. You know, smaller ones, maybe some bigger ones. You know, and just just really, really talk. The the one thing that I do try to differ with my guest interviews, I just try to be more laid back than anything, and. You know, we don't even have to talk about magic because it's I enjoy just talking and just learning about the person and, you know, learning their likes and dislikes and all that other stuff. And, you know, we'll talk magic. And um, but, yeah, I mean, I I want to keep going. Am I going to make it to episode 200? I want to say yes. But, hey, you never know. It's going to take me another two years to get to episode 200. And who knows what this show is going to look like here? You know, I mean, hell it could be completely different by then. And, you know, if I make it awesome, if I don't, I'm sorry ahead of time, but I do, I want to keep going to episode 200 and it's going to take it one week at a time. And yeah, just gonna, just gonna get it there. So I guess let's get into the Q and a time. And I know I have some people in chat here. If they want to ask me any questions while I'm doing these, um, Albie, I do see your questions and, um, in the kitchen table forum. So I am going to get to them. So don't think I forgot about you. Um, but I do have some other questions ahead of you that I've been asking and they're from Twitter. And so we're just going to begin it here. Let me just get a little drink here. Cause I've got quite a few questions here, especially from you people on kitchen table, which if you've not been to kitchen table, MTG forums, um, hold on. What's the actual I- IP? Um, I've, I've been doing too much networking today, so I'm like have IP addresses on my mind. So the actual URL is kitchentablemtg.com. My favorite magic forum ever. It's I'm extremely active on there with almost, you know, twelve hundred posts. So I'm definitely on there quite often. <laughs> so definitely check it out. So that they've they've given me a lot of questions here. So I guess let's just start off with John Dunning from They Said We Said. At what point in the road to 100 did you realize it's all about family? Um, I realized it was all about family. <laughs> so he's asking that because we're both huge fans of Red Letter Media, the YouTube channel. And um, when they were doing their Star Wars The Last Jedi movie review, um, they just kept on making fun of the fact, you know, when Carrie Fisher said in the back in, in some interview, like, it's really all about family. And they were just making fun of that fact. And th- they've been reusing that line over and over again in their, ne- you know, next couple episodes. And so at what point in the road to 100 did I realize it's all about family? Um, 
you know, when I've had actually my daughters on for skits and when if you listen to my episodes and hear the ad about legit MTG, I've actually got two different ads for legit MTG that I've done. They didn't tell me to make these ads. I made them on my own because I have a lot of fun doing so. Hey, any potential sponsors out there know that I will make I will personally make a commercial about you if you sponsor me, <laughs> you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, because I, I don't know. I. I find reading copy for um, for companies really boring. I was doing that at first. Like, if you listen to probably like the first, I don't know, thirty to forty episodes of Magic Wazubi, you heard me reading copy, and I have been sponsored by other companies before, and um, it was just boring as hell, man, having to read the copy over and over again. So I'm like, you know, I'm gonna make a little, you know, skit here, a little ad, and so I have two different ones. Um, one with my youngest daughter, Zoe, and then another with my oldest daughter, Jazzy. Uh, the, the one with Jazzy is the one, the Dragon Ball Z one. And, um, it's, you know, I've even had my wife on the show a bunch of times and it's, you know, in the end, I really am doing this podcast for my kids and my grandchildren. So one day they get to hear their grandfather and father act completely crazy as they talk about as I talk about this little card game called Magic the Gathering. And I mean, my kids already know I'm obsessed with the game. I mean, you come to my office and it's all <laughs> there's so much magic and D&D and board games and whatever the hell else I've got laying around. And um yeah, so at what point in the road did I realize it's all about family? Um, about the time that Star Wars The Last Jedi came out is when I realized it was all about family. Um, so Breakfast with Nerds, if you, I have interviewed them before. Um, if you haven't checked them out, go check them out on YouTube, uh, Breakfast with Nerds. That's Randy and Paul. They do. Uh, they, they, they actually do a really good job. I, I like them. They're, they're really cool guys. Um, they ask me, what is my favorite magic card? Uh also would be fun to hear about your best experiences in magic or D&D. Congrats on 100. Thank you guys. So my favorite magic card. Huh? I mean, it's really hard because I've got some favorite cards in different formats, but if I really had to choose my favorite magic card of all time, Oh my gosh, that is so tough. I do have some cards that are very sentimental to me. Um, you know, just from remember pulling them when I was a kid, like pattern of rebirth from Urza's destiny is really sentimental because that was my first foil rare. Um, God, if I don't even remember what my first rare or even first magic card was, but if, Oh man, if I don't even know if I really have a favorite magic card that I don't know, counter spell maybe. It would be my favorite one. If I had to choose what flavor, it would be Mercadian Mask because I love that art so much. That's my favorite counter spell art. Um, also, would be fun to hear about my best experiences in Magic or D&D. So, my best experience in Magic. Uh, if I had to choose my best experience playing Magic. God, I have so many. Oh, my God. I have some really good stories. Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I can even pick just one. Um, I think one of my best experiences in magic. So when I got back into standard right as gate crash came out and Boros Reckoner was my first standard deck. Okay. So I was, so I I've told the story before I've been in and out of magic. 
Um, so I started in Urza Saga. I then came into then I I left like after Onslaught or Seventh Edition or something. Came back in during Kamigawa, returned to Ra- or Ravnica. I mean Ravnica Dissension and all that. And then I left again and I came back. I want to say like M11, M12 or M13, something like that. But I was still playing really casually. So my first actual format was standard or like first official format because I I never played like any kind of sanctioned magic before then. So when Gatecrash came out, got into standard, played that. I played it mainly online on Cockatrice and Magic Workstation, I want to say, if that's even still around. And then when I did my very, very first draft, uh, it was a Ravnica Gatecrash um, Dragon's Maze draft, and I had no idea what to do. And that's probably one of my best experiences because I had never really, quote unquote, been a part of the magic community before. It's always been me and my group of friends. We never really I never really dealt with anyone outside of my own little group of friends. And that experience to me in that game shop is I'll never forget it because I'd never felt so welcomed in a place before and I knew no one and people were and I already had plenty of magic cards and all that but people were just giving me their cards um you know people were helping me out with draft because I had no idea how to draft and I only the only thing I knew and I didn't really read any rules about it ahead of time I just knew you pick a card and pass and I thought it was still a 60 card deck that you build and draft so I built a 60 card deck and they're like no no no, you only have to do 40 cards and I'm like oh but I just received so much help and I even got like I think second or third place that night even though I didn't even really you know know what I was doing or drafting I do remember I drafted voice of resurgence was my pack one pick one and I didn't even know it was that good of a card like I, I knew it was a good card but I didn't realize it was that good of a card you know what I mean um so that was probably one of my best experiences in magic because being my first foray into the actual magic community was just it, it got me hooked from then on and I couldn't stop drafting for at that place for a long time. And um, so one of my best experiences in D&D um, probably back in my college years when my friends and I would play, try to play like every weekend and it was just so much fun and we would play for God. <laughs> We'd play like nonstop minimum 10 hour games. Like if, if they only went on for 10 hours, then it felt like we didn't get enough done. We would literally play from like, you know, four or five in the afternoon till 10 or 11 the next morning and all that. And then it, even then it didn't even feel like we got enough done. But there, there'd be some weekends where we would just play, you know, literally all weekend from Friday afternoon till, you know, Sunday night at 1 or 2 a.m., only stopping for food and to get a little bit of a cat nap, you know, like maybe four or five hour nap each day. And, um, <laughs> oh, God, those were freaking days. I, I miss those days of D&D because, God, it's even though when I play now, I have a lot of fun with my buddies and all that but we only play for like three to four hours at a time. And even though that does feel like enough, cause we get plenty done. I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, God, I really, really want to play those, um, you know, 10 to 15 hour games, but I just don't have the energy for it, man. It's, it's so exhausting. Um, 
but yeah thank you again breakfast with nerds for asking that question it's um it's a lot of fun talking about that all right so i'm gonna get this name wrong um i think his name is matt but i've been on his show before and i the name of it slips my mind it's tantus draconian or draconian completely screwing that up and i'm really sorry um, he says, congrats. Now, what are you going to do for the next 100? Stay the course, new crazy idea, funny hats, inquiring minds want wants, uh, bleh, inquiring minds want to know. So what I'm going to do for the next 100, pretty much what I'm doing now, I'm going to stay the course. Um, I do have some ideas in there. Um, I, I, I do want to bring back deck techs, but I'm going to be doing them a little bit different way. Since I'm doing this live show, it's going to be a little bit easier to do deck techs and then you know, I can explain it a little bit better, but then the audio people, you know, I'll be sure to explain as well as I can to the audio people as well as too. um, no funny hats planned. Um, the only time I even wear a hat is when my hair gets a little long. Cause if you notice, if you're looking at the video, I keep my hair kind of short. I do when my hair gets longer, it doesn't go down. It fluffs out and I get sort of like a fro. Um, one of my, one of my nicknames in high school was Matt Fro since my name's Matt, you know, just fro it just grows out and it starts getting curly and I hate it. I I wish it would just go away, but yeah, it's, that's pretty much it. What I'm going to do. Thank you for the question there. Uh, Abaddon, uh, ask what should be banned or unbanned in modern. And if wizards gave me control of the next master set, what cards would you be sure were in it and how would you decide to structure the set? So what should be banned or unbanned in modern? Um, let's unban Splinter Twin because why not? There's plenty of ways to stop it. I mean, technically there is a Splinter Twin in modern right now. It's just not as good. It requires three colors. Um, but you know what? Just bring it back. Why not? I, I'd, I'd be... I'd be more curious than anything if they just tested out unbanning Splinter Twin for a month or two and to see how how would it shape the modern meta um, and what should be banned. I mean, I know a lot of people are saying ban Lantern Control because of the previous Pro Tour that has happened, but you know what? Honestly, um, even though Lantern, I fucking hate playing against Lantern, it's not an unbeatable deck. I mean, you have to be really, really good at the deck like um, Louis Salvato was at it. And um, I don't think anything should be banned from it. If there's any card that should be banned, um, I mean, another easy one to say one of the Tron lands, but, you know, even Tron is beatable. It's just you have to make sure your opening hands in games two and three are really good. I can't think of anything that should be banned in modern right now. I feel like modern's in a really good place, but I would be really interested seeing Splinter Twin unbanned to see, especially now, how it would be in the metagame. You know, is it gonna is Splinter Twin gonna be the police of the format again if it were to be unbanned, especially with all these new cards we have? Um You know, I, I'd like to see the Wizards at least do a test of it. it. I'd be I'd be interested in seeing that. Um, saying, hi, I'm new, the Paul Trucks. Thank you for joining the chat. We're actually doing a Q&A right now. So if you want any questions, if you have any questions to ask, uh, go right ahead. We're getting near the end of the podcast here. So thank you for coming on and joining. So the other question that Abaddon had was, if Wizards gave me control of the next master set, what cards would you be sure were in it? And how would you decide to structure the set? Well, first of all, before I answer what cards should be in it, I would structure the set to not even give a crap about limited. Um, I understand that all the sets they're 
making now that they care about the draft environment for a reprint set fuck limited all right limited is one of my favorite formats because i love cube and all that and i love booster draft i love sealed don't get me wrong i love limited but for a for a set that strictly reprints and if they gave me control of it i, I don't even give a crap about limited at this point all right forget it make one color completely you know overpowered i, I don't care but you know, obviously the cards I like to see fetch lands again, you know, tank the price more shock lands. Um, it's mainly lands. Um, I'd like to see, um, Tarmogoyf put in it again because I want a chance at it again. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, cavern of souls again, it, it's mainly lands that I'd like to see, even though I have all these lands, it's just more, I want to see the price go down because, and it's something that I've said before to someone who is completely new to magic, even spending $100 on a deck seems like the most outrageous idea. And while I understand that investing in magic finance is a real thing in this game, it still is not fun to spend that much money on a deck, thousands of dollars on a deck. It's not fun. And I get it. People want their cards to have value and remain in that value. And I get that. I understand that. I completely understand, but you know what? Keep reprinting, you know, fuck it. Well, let's see. Let's see some more. Let's burn it down to the ground. But the biggest thing I would do is forget about limited for these master sets. We don't need to focus on that at all. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much my answer for that there. So Jez Golbez asks, what is one thing you'd like to see Watsi do for the game? It could be anything, a card type, a new rule, and only one thing. As I said before, and just from the previous question, I would like to see Watsi do something for the game to where they come out and it sounds like they might do this. They come out with a way for a brand new person to be able to go buy a sealed deck and do reasonably well at, at an FNM. And it sounds like that is what they are doing with replacing these dual decks. They're coming out with some new challenger event deck for standard. And while I have a feeling that this challenger event deck is going to be a really crappy standard deck like the intro decks, but maybe slightly stronger than an intro deck, I would really like them to see put, you know, hey, this deck that we just had a pro tour grand prix on it, it did reasonably well like it didn't win it didn't win the pro tour but it had a reasonable chunk of the meta like maybe it was the third or fourth most popular deck let's take that deck and seal it up and sell it out there to people you know for say 40 50 bucks you know it's going to tank those cards in value if any of them were valuable but you know what new players need a way to enter if they're interested in competitive they need a way to enter this game at reasonable levels right now it's still not reasonable okay let let's take a look at mtg goldfish right now just at the the standard deck prices and hold on i'm gonna switch the video so you can see it here with me um even though prices are way better than they were a couple years ago let me make it bigger here so mono red as of right now um on mtg goldfish is the number one deck in terms of meta percentage at 16.95 percent it is currently 234 dollars if you wanted to buy that whole deck right now 
that is too expensive for for people who are ingrained in the game like you and I that are listening that that's not a lot of money that's actually really cheap for standard but for someone brand new that's too expensive man I, I don't care what you say it's too expensive to be reasonable decent end game yes there are budget decks that are out there that can do decently I completely get that but not everyone is gonna want to buy a budget deck for even a hundred you know 80 to a hundred dollars that just seems unreasonable for people for a lot of people so I think that is one thing that really needs to be looked at and that's one thing that I would change or like or like to see wizards do for the game is really focus on getting at least at a decent competitive level to be reasonably priced all right so hold on I've got a lot more questions here both asked by Lazrak or Lazric Lazraic, I completely mess up his name. And then Albi MTG will be the last one unless I get any more questions in chat here. <sighs> All right. All right, we got this. We're going to keep going here. Um, okay, so Lazaric asked, how did I meet Mrs. Zuby? Um, she was actually the first woman I ever dated back in high school. And we met when I was in 10th grade. I think it was a week after 9-11 happened, we met. And um, we just headed off from there. We dated for a few weeks. Then she broke my heart. And I met up with her again like like four or five years later. It was like two years after college. And since we've been together since then, we're going to be together 12 years this year. Um, and fuck... <laughs> if you're listening to this, Mrs. Zuby, I can't believe you fucking stuck with me that long. I am so sorry, but I, God damn it. Do I love you to death? Uh, where am I from originally? Florida. Uh, do I plan to stay in Florida long-term for the time being? Yes. Um, I honestly do like Florida. I mean, I have a lot of complaints about it, but I really do love Florida. Um, it's, the place I lived, you know, grew up in, I've lived here all my life. Um, I don't have a desire to, really live anywhere else if i did it'd be something like tennessee or something like that and um i'm gonna keep staying here until the state probably sinks in the water uh what places would i like to visit i'd love to go back to south korea again i do plan on going back there one day um obviously i want to go to europe i want to go to italy i want to visit sicily um my wife is italian so she does have you know, actual, I think she actually has some like distant relatives in Italy and all that. So I'd love to go there. Um, love to go to Japan again. Um, want to go to New Zealand so bad, like really, really, really bad, mainly due to Lord of the Rings and all that. So, um, yeah. Do you try and stay out of MTG related drama on social media? So, I obviously personally try to stay out, but when something big is happening, I, you know, I, I want to know what the hell's going on. Like the whole Christine Sprinkle thing, when that happened, it was just more of a like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? So even though I was not involved in it at all, it was definitely like, whoa, what the hell's going on? It's, I do definitely try to stay out of it more. It, I just really look at it on the sidelines, but a lot of it's so dumb. It's, I just, it, it's just so hard to care about it. It's just, just, let's just focus on ourselves and be better people and just keep moving forward, you know? 
If you could gather all of the creators and players involved in Magic Gate and get them in one room, what would you tell them? Um, if I could actually get all the creators and players involved in Magic Gate on both sides, uh, let's just say we had a team of people on both sides, you know, not like every single person, but let's just, you know, I, I would try to probably be a moderator and be like, hey, let's hash this out. You know, let's actually be reasonable people here and, you know, let let's not get our emotion let or let's keep our emotions in check and let's just talk it out here and you know if an, an agreement can't be made shake hands and walk away um what card of my collection is the most valuable right now is my set of guys cradles are the most valuable um if there was a natural disaster and you only had time to grab one deck before you run for safety which one would it be grixis delver modern um what edh deck have you always wanted to build but never have um God, uh, I don't know. I've always wanted to build, but never had. I'd probably say Zedru, the the gifts guy, because uh, I have I've actually come up with deck list for it, and then I just never do it. So yeah, because that actually was the very first EDH commander I played. Was I, I remember when my buddy and I were playing Torg, uh, another type of role playing system. Uh, we would play EDH first, and when when I started doing that, I'd, I'd never played EDH before. I was familiar with Magic, of course, back then, but I, and this was like 10, 15 years ago, and I'd never played EDH, and, um, or, may, or maybe, or, no, no, it had to have been right when um, the first Commander set came out, so I don't know what, what year that was, maybe it's 2011 or something. So I guess seven years, I do the older you get, the, the more you forget like how time passes or how, or whatever. The passage of time is just so weird, but, um, and that, that was like the first commander I played. It wasn't my deck, but it, I played it and I loved it. Uh, what could wizards do differently to support smaller creators? Um, I mean, I feel like, well, no, that's Channel Fireball. Channel Fireball did a really good thing at Grand Prix London to support a lot of the smaller creators out there, like Life Begins at 20 and Total MTG and um, Abby from Masters of Modern and, and Orcs Head Jordan. They, um, Channel Fireball did do but what could Wizards do differently? Um, I don't know if Wizards should do anything differently, to be honest, because it's really not up to them to, i mean they don't even have to do anything in, to be honest i mean i think what channel fireball is doing and even what star city games does you know they just need to keep doing it because that's where that's where the notoriety comes from is those bigger you know stores um wizards i mean what what should they have to do honestly that's my question more than anything. I mean, obviously I'd like for them to do more, but you know, they don't have to, I don't know what they should do. Honestly. Um, if you had to pick an, okay, so this is Albie MTGs. That was all Lazrak. Um, out, out, Albie MTG. Uh, his questions are, if you had to pick the name of one magic card to describe the podcast, what would, what would it be? A uh, garbage fire. Is that one? Uh, uh what torture i guess or higher torture or tortured existence 
I would describe it. Tortured Existence is a one black enchantment. You can pay a black, choose and discard a card, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. And Tortured Existence, because even though when you think I'm down and out, I'm coming right back. Um, <laughs> so that's the card I'm going to going to call it up. Do you see yourself leaning more towards Twitch over YouTube in the future where you continue to use both platforms? So here's the thing. I do have a YouTube channel, but I am so terrible at it. I'm trying to get better. YouTube is not where the majority of people find me as far as my podcast goes. They they find me way more on iTunes because um, if I look at my numbers here, um, just this year, I've had over 6,000 downloads. It's Normally, it would be higher. It's just because I missed a couple weeks last month, so it is kind of low right now, but um, so I've already had like last week's episode has already had over a thousand downloads, but if I look at my YouTube channel, it's had maybe three views and I don't even know if they listen to the, or listen to the whole thing or watch the whole video, you know? So YouTube is very, very, very minute for me. And same with Twitch. I do want to lean more towards Twitch because of the streaming since I am doing the live episodes now and with VCR gaming as well. So that is going to be what I'm going to lean more towards, but I am going to put, you know, obviously I'm going to put this video up on YouTube for people to watch. And, um, yeah, so it's, I, I, I was thinking about maybe putting previous streams on my YouTube channel as well for when I play magic or other games, but you know, no one really fucking watches those anyway. Like who, who really does, uh, unless you're a super really big popular personality, no one's going to go back and watch my previous stream of divinity original sin too. Sorry. Uh, favorite sports team. So that would indicate that I watch sports, which I don't really do anymore. I used to be a huge football fan and baseball fan. And while I'll watch a game, if it's on TV, I don't actively seek it out. So I don't really have a favorite sports team, but if I had to choose, it would be my hometown sports teams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Tampa Bay Devil Rays or the Tampa Bay Rays, I guess now. Um, so those would be my favorite sports teams. And I do like hockey. I like the Tampa Bay lightning. I've never been a fan of basketball and it has been the only sport I've never seen live, but I've, I've just never gotten into basketball. So I don't, I don't even know the Orlando magic, I guess. No, I don't, I'm just not a fan of basketball at all. Um, and then if you could change the five colors of magic into any other colors, what would they be? Orange, purple, uh, yellow, red, which is staying because that's not going anywhere. And then um, the cerulean blue. Sure, why not? Uh, why did I pick those colors? I don't know. I just picked anything I felt like. Um, what what would they represent? I don't know. You told me to change the five colors of magic who the hell am i no i don't i don't have enough time in the night to discuss why i would choose those colors um so any experience with canadian highlander format is amazing by the way no i know about it i know what i know what it's about but i've never played it i have seen it played but i've never tried to play it if I had to rename the podcast, what would I change the name to? So I still have my original document that I had for other working titles. Um, Magic Wazubi was the obvious winner. Uh, the other titles I had for the podcast were Zuby Talks Magic, Summoning Sickness, and Zuby Cast. Um, maybe I'd try Summoning Sickness. But see, the thing with at least Summoning Sickness or Zuby Talks Magic is... 
it really implies that I'm kind of limited to only talking about magic, at least with magic with Zuby. Um, it's I can almost kind of throw in D&D in there because there is magic in D&D, you know, the spellcasting kind. So in summoning sickness would be also the same kind of thing. I'd be really tunneled into talking about magic. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably what I would change the name to, or maybe I'd come up with something else. Um, if I had to pick my three favorite episodes of Magic Azubi, which three would they be? Um, I know my one of my favorite ones was one I did a couple months ago. Um, let's see if I can find the title of it. It did really terrible in the downloads, but I had probably so much fun doing it. Episode 81, These Are the Voyages, and it is titled Ixalan, a strange new plane with dinosaurs, pirates, and vampires. Oh my. Hear the captain speak about the plane of Ixalan and its many inhabitants on today's episode. I just hope you aren't wearing red when you hear this. It was a whole episode of me completely ad-libbing Star Trek, the original series, as if Captain Kirk, Spock, and Bones visited the plane of Ixalan. It is so bad. So terrible. It barely got any downloads. I don't even think it broke a thousand downloads. And I had so much fun doing it. I don't even care that it did bad. Um, If I had to pick another episode that I really enjoyed. um, yeah, It is probably one of my guest episodes. It's... um. God, I, I mean, I even hate to pick one of my favorite guests because I enjoy every guest that I've ever had on. I've always really, really enjoyed having on. Um, God, I mean, shit, I don't even know two two other episodes that I've really enjoyed um, or that are my favorite. I mean, I really enjoyed my Christmas episode I did last year uh, with my wife. That was really fun. Because we sang together. So that was episode 96 of Magic Zuby Christmas Special 2017. I really enjoyed that episode. Oh, um, I guess the other one would be episode 91, the Grand Prix Atlanta special, where you know I actually went to Grand Prix Atlanta and interviewed people there, interviewed, you know, Aaron Campbell and some magic artists just to, you know, talk about how they're doing. And, you know, even though those have all been really recent episodes, um, I have I I, I I, I like all the episodes I've done. It's um I feel like it's not very fair if I pick a guest episode because you know that would indicate I like one person over the other. But um I do that that is something else that I plan on doing going to more Grand Prix or even a Star City Open. Gonna try to if my wife will let me. I thought I heard her just walk into the room just now. I don't know if she'll let me go to like Richmond, Virginia or something or. You know hey hey if I got to take her with me awesome I don't have to be alone in the car for twelve hours. Um. So, and then Albie MTG, his last question, who is your least favorite content creator named Albie MTG? Um, I don't know of any content creator that I don't like named Albie MTG, so I can't answer that one for you. All right. <laughs> but, um, no, it's, um, like I said earlier in the show, you you know, if you're liking the content that you're doing, and I have seen your content before, you just gotta, just gotta, you know, it, it you know, I'm very self-deprecating too. It's like, just like I said, when I answered your question, if I had to rename the, or what, what magic card would I describe it as garbage fire? It's like every time 
I, I don't have much confidence in this podcast at all where it's just like, oh, this is terrible. Like, but I don't care. I had fun doing it. And it's, yeah, I'm very self-deprecating where I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing ever. But yeah. So I guess that's it. Um, yeah. So we're at, uh, we're at, oh, we're over at 90 minutes now and I've got to wrap things up and I got to get to bed. I'm getting tired. It's been a long ass day, but, um, I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight and watching me ramble on Albie MTG, U2, Man Cave MTG, and there was Co- not Cody Smith uh, coming out. And I know I've had some users pop in and out, but I didn't see who they were. Um, thank you all for watching and for my audio listeners. Um, if you want to ask me any question, you want to hear me read it on on the cast, you know, feel free to email me at mtgzubi at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at Magic with Zuby. Um, and thank you all. This is the end of episode 100. Thank you, Albie, for congratulating me on episode 100. I really appreciate it. It's been, um, it's been very surreal. I didn't even think, as I said before in the beginning, I didn't even think I'd fucking make it this far. It's crazy. We've got episode 100 done. It's in the books. And now episode 101 are already done. Episode 102 is I'm in the process of getting it done. And there are two, both episodes have some really cool guests. I'm super excited for you all to hear it. And yeah, have a great night, everybody. Okay. And I will catch you later.